This podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. There you go. Uh oh. Super kick him right through that steel chair. Oh! Yes, sir. Driving the steel of the chair. A sickening thud hanging over this arena. After that shot, look at the intensity, the will to win, the will to be champions again by the Young Bucks. A big money match in progress right here tonight. Nick springboarding in. Meltzer driver on the chairs. And the cover led One, secure. two, three. Over. Young Bucks win it. Young Bucks. Young Bucks next week. So and number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, the Young Bucks. Corpus Christi, here we come. It's a brand new episode of the Elitist Cinema Geekly's AEW podcast. It's Anthony Lewis, Nick Montez, and we're back to talk more AEW Dynamite on TNT. Uh, Nick, before we jump into things, uh, it was brought to my attention, actually, that uh, the last couple weeks, I think, uh, I've neglected to talk about AEW Dark. I leave it in the show notes in the description for the episode that like, we also talk about AEW Dark this week, and I think I've neglected to mention it. At least the last two weeks, but possibly even like up to three weeks uh, where we haven't mentioned Dark. So if you don't mind, uh, I don't know if you watched it or not, but I'm going to quickly walk through what happened on Dark. Uh, there's almost almost never something of, of, of note match-wise, but just in case, uh, for importance sake... Uh, AEW continued their streak uh, on this week's episode of AEW Dark. It would be their 10th episode. Uh, their streak of weird triple threat matches as Scorpio Sky defeated the librarian Peter Avalon and Jimmy Havoc. What a weird three-way. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Jurassic Express. This combo uh, was Marco Stunt and Luchasaurus. They defeated Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And uh, the best match on the show was the main event, which saw Kenny Omega defeat Kip Sabian. 
maybe the best Kip Sabian's looked uh, in AEW. The actual highlight of the show was the um, they did this personality profile on uh, Big Swole, and uh, she talked about how uh, she they discovered she had Crohn's disease. And yeah. uh, And when she got diagnosed, the doctor told her that she had to have emergency surgery because if she didn't, uh, she could die within 30 minutes. And I guess that she actually did die on the table and they had to revive her. uh, And they removed like a bunch of her intestines and stuff. And that her uh, doctors told her that she'd never be able to be as physical as she wanted to be. And that she, probably couldn't even have a baby. And then they talked about her and Cedric Alexander having a child and how she got into wrestling. And even though they said they didn't think it would be possible for her to be this physical, uh, you know, do this level of physicality, like she's still doing it. And it was a really great, uh, personality profile. Um, something that you can argue they should put on TV, but, it's tough to put this sort of stuff on TV because they're unfortunately stuff like this are like ratings killers. People don't like watching personality profiles, I guess I do. Uh, I think it's important, but weirdly enough, and a lot of other people seem to say that as well. Like, why don't we get more profile videos on who these people are? But weirdly enough, apparently when they are aired on television, nobody watches them. So who knows what the fans want, Nick? It's impossible to tell. Uh, This week's episode of AEW Dynamite is their 11th. It took place in Garland, Texas. And in front of what I would say, all the way up until the main event, was a very hot crowd. And they weren't dead by the end of the show, but they were tired. You could tell that they were a little exhausted. But uh, they were a pretty fired up crowd for most of this show. As has most of the AEW shows, for the most part. Uh We start out hot. John Moxley uh, making his way to the ring. He is taking on Alex Reynolds. And uh, this is a literal two-move match, Nick. He hits him with the regal knee. He hits him with the paradigm shift. And he pins him. Uh, and also he gives John Silver the paradigm shift as well. Uh, one, one star from me, Nick. Do you have any further... Uh, I guess, analytics on this match? I mean, the only thing of note really to say about this match is I think they said that this might be a record for the fastest win in AEW history, that Mox already had the record, and this may have reset it. Yep. I don't know if that means anything, but one star over here, too. Yeah. Grapple with a .93. I can't believe people gave the... He executed the two moves very well, you guys. There were only two moves, but he did them well. Um... Blade squashes, apparently. Yeah. Uh, after the match, the inner circle comes out onto the ramp, and the uh, Excalibur is talking about how uh, Santana and Ortiz are facing the Young Bucks in the main event tonight, and he notes that because they are the two top contenders, the winners of that match will get a title shot against SCU next week. Uh, I believe in Dallas? I think is that that's where the show is? I don't recall. I think that's Corpus Christi, I think. Corpus Christi, perhaps. Okay. Uh, Jericho gets into the ring. He has incredible body language here. He looks very nervous. 
He doesn't want to anger John Moxley. He puts Moxley over, goes over their history, uh, talks about the time that they attacked each other with a plant, uh, <laughs> says that he helped make John Moxley into a star, that Moxley came to him asking for advice. He even takes credit for bringing Moxley to AEW. He said when he was finally free from his cage and his chains that Jericho once again helped uh, direct him towards AEW. Jericho says that Moxley is still an asshole with a chip on his shoulder and that he likes that. He says that he's just starting to hit his peak and just think about what you could do if you joined the inner circle. So, of course, this is Jericho being terrified to face Moxley and is, of course, trying to recruit him so he won't have to fight him. Uh, and, of course, he tells John to go home, talk it over with his lovely wife and his mother, and says to enjoy the holidays and then come back and give him the answer. And then Jericho gives him a free shirt. So you know, Nick, that he is serious. Because he was only willing to give the fans a 50 cent uh, coupon off of the price of his shirt. And here he's giving Moxley a whole shirt for free. So, very serious offer here made by Chris Jericho. What did you think of uh, this Jericho-Moxley thing? And by the way, Moxley uh, didn't say anything. So they're they're teasing the will he, won't he. Um. I think with the way they've been portraying Moxley, it's kind of weird that he got the... Or that they're going this route, I guess. It's not weird that Jericho would offer him a spot in the inner circle to avoid fighting him. But to me, it just seems weird that Moxley would sit there and even consider it. He's supposed to be this big, unstable character. Mm -hmm. So, like, wouldn't he just try and hit him with a paradigm shift right there? And I don't know. Maybe it's his way of going, I'm going to mess with you since you're trying to mess with me. Um I did think it was funny that Jericho said that Moxley, when he asked him for advice back in the day, he had his Kurt Cobain bowl cut and leather jacket back in those days because yes. that's how he characterized him. Um, obvious where this is going. We're going to see Moxley going to wear the shirt in a few weeks and then hit Jericho with that paradigm shift, and that's going to set their match for the pay-per-view more than likely. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, they get a proud and powerful Young Bucks hype video with Excalibur uh, showing some PWG footage and talking about how the Young Bucks thrive in guerrilla warfare type matches and that he thinks that they're going to win tonight. Um, the announcers run down the card for the night and that leads us into The Butcher and the Blade against Cody and QT Marshall. Uh, there's an MJF inset uh, where he kind of references the other thing. I don't know if you even saw this. It's an interview that they didn't even put this on a, well, they did put it on AEW dark this week. Uh, but, uh, this was an interview that they showed not on television, but on YouTube where MJF reveals that he's the one who picked his partner, uh, because MJF is the one who brought the butcher and the blade to AEW. So these are hired hands from MJF, but they did not make this very clear, even in this inset video. And they really should have shown that MJF video on television last week instead, because it was also great, but it also explained a whole lot. Uh, mm -hmm. 
because I pay attention to TV, I feel like I'm being punished here. But QT Marshall is now a good guy for some reason. Uh, he has made more than one appearance on AEW television prior to this. And in both cases, he was a heel. So now he's just a good guy for some reason. And didn't care for that. Uh, pretty standard tag team match. with What did we agree to call them last week, Nick? Were you calling them B3? three yes <laughs> okay so pretty standard tag team match with b3 in control uh over qt and then we get a picture and picture break uh when we come back qt hits an enzigiri uh, goes for the hot tag but it is broken up and then qt marshall hits like a will osprey handstand handspring enzigiri wasn't really expecting that hot tag to cody he runs wild Hits a moonsault crossbody on the blade for a two. Hits an Oz cutter for a two. Uh, then Allie goes for Cody's eyes. And uh, this forces QT to tag in. But he hits a pop-up forearm and then does perhaps the worst Sasuke special I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, on Twitter afterwards, QT Marshall retweeted this gif and said... Just go for it, they said. So, <laughs> apparently he was egged on to do this. It did not look good. Uh, he hits the crossroads and a twisting senton for a two. Uh, but then they separate Cody, the Butcher, and the Blade do, and it's two-on-one. They double-team QT and hit a combination suplex lung blower for the win. Uh, what did you think of the tag team match? I was surprised to see QT get as much ring time as he did. Like, I thought this would mostly be Cody trying to fight against them, QT going in and getting beat up, or maybe even QT getting dominated, pretty much waiting for Cody to get the hot tag. But it was pretty even between the two of them, um, which isn't a bad thing. You know, I guess it's great that QT is getting more time. You know, mm-hmm. I guess he's become part of the show, show more, and he's got to get some offense to make it look like he's supposed to belong there. Um Overall, I thought the match was all right. Um, I just thought, thought it came off kind of weird. I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was something in the match that I thought was kind of weird. I think it was when the blade dived on him, and the and the and the butcher missed him in like a weird spot. I can't remember exactly what I was talking about. I noted that here. Um, I gave it two point seven five. I thought it was all right. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be. I thought it was a better match than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be lower than this, but mm-hmm. um, it didn't blow me away, but it was all right. Uh, I thought it was, uh, I liked it a little bit better than you, but I don't like the, like as the, as a match, just in a vacuum, uh, I liked it and liked it more than you did even. But uh, booking wise, I, I mean, the Butcher and the Blade won and as they should have, but I just figured QT was in here to like, you know, they're getting their ass kicked when Cody's in there. Cause he's the top star, but then mm. they do something to Cody, which forces him to tag out to QT. And then they just obliterate QT and win and they get a win. And it, but it's like a cheap win because they didn't beat Cody. They beat the, the job guy, but QT came in here and was almost like 50, 50 with these guys, yep. which I did not like. I think the butcher and the blade need to have looked stronger here so booking wise i'm not super 
Uh, I agree with you on that. I thought that this was going to be like a big showcase for them, and it was like it seemed like they had been there for weeks with this match. Like this yeah. seems like something that would happen down the line, not a first debut match. Yeah, uh, and taking into account my score, I also noted here that the super the super hot crowd really helped boost this because they were into this match. Uh, and mm-hmm. they were into Cody as well. So I went three and a quarter, and Grapple went 3.28. Okay. Uh, up next, we've... Oh, there was some stuff that happened after the match, actually. After the match, Cody is looking dejected at ringside when Darby Allen storms out and lifts Cody back up to his feet. And apparently on Twitter afterwards, uh, Darby Allen noted that uh, he and Cody had faced each other once at Fighter Fest earlier this year in Darby's debut, and they went to a draw, and he has wanted a rematch ever since, and says that he will team with Cody against the Butcher and the Blade, and if they win, Darby Allen wants his rematch with Cody. So, uh, I don't know if you should be setting up good stuff like that on Twitter, because right. I didn't even know it happened until I listened to another recap of this show. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this should be stuff that like makes it onto TV or something quickly, or I mean, maybe they will address it next week. I mean, you give, you can give them a week to address this, but, uh, otherwise, uh, I thought good match, but not exactly how I would have portrayed butcher and the blade, uh, MJF promo. He comes out with Wardlow. He calls a grip into the ring, uh, a he calls him the cord guy uh, <laughs> and says that last week he saw the cord guy laughing during Cody's promo when Cody was burying MJF's crossroads. Says that he can apologize by kissing the ring. This brave grip turns his back to Co- or to MJF and MJF gives him a crossroads. That actually looks good. Yes. Uh, I wrote here, TNT really trying hard to censor the crowd saying, suck because I'm pretty sure they were just saying you suck but that's weird they kept trying to bleep them like maybe they thought the crowd was chanting you fuck but (laughs) which by the way would be an awesome chant to chant at a bad guy but they didn't I think they were just saying suck but anyway uh, MJF cuts a great promo here I think he quotes Roddy Piper when he says you're throwing stones at a guy who brought a machine gun when my mouth opens, my bu- the bullets never miss. Says he doesn't want Cody's shit. Doesn't want to stuff Nick. He wants Cody to suffer. And he says that Cody talks about his scarf being a fake, but it isn't. He says Cody's a fake. Says his hair's fake. Makes fun of his teeth. Makes fun of his lisp. He says it's the only thing real about him. <laughs> the crowd got very upset at him mocking Cody's lisp. Uh, dare Cody... <laughs> yes, he dares Cody to fire him, but he says he knows he won't because he wants this match. And he says, you know what, Cody, you're on, but there's going to be some stipulations added to this match. He won't reveal them here in Honkyville, USA. <laughs> Crowd was very upset at being called honkies by MJF, uh, says he will reveal them on the New Year's Day episode of Dynamite in Jacksonville at Daly's Place. So um, there's even a build-up to find out what the stipulations are for this match, not even when the match will happen, which I presume will be at the pay-per-view. But, Probably. Uh, 
It's a build up to just find out the stipulations. What do you think of the uh, the MJF promo, Nick? Wow, MJF using racial slurs over here. There might be white ones, but still, jeez. Um, <laughs> called all those honkies huh? honkies. It was crazy. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Um, I I liked it a lot. I uh, I'm surprised that he's already going back on his word and saying well, he is a heel. So what what does his word matter anyways? Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised. Like I thought they draw that out. I'm not going to fight you thing out a lot longer. Yeah. Um, but apparently there's going to be some stipulations. Got to make you wonder what he's going to throw into the match to make it happen. Yeah, got to um, beat like definitely... got to beat Wardlow first, or maybe it'll be a two on one or an elimination yeah, or... match or something maybe. I have one arm time behind your back. Who knows? Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Dog collar match would be sweet. I don't think I've seen one of those in a hot second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought the promo was great. I thought MGF was the uh, fantastic heel that he always is. I do believe that was Roddy Piper because that was the first thing I thought too, and that's his biggest influence. Yep. But yeah, uh, plus marks for MJF. He's a great heel. Yeah, I thought this was excellent. He's tremendous. Yes. Now we go to the <laughs> hotel room of one Alex Reynolds and John Silver. It's just Alex Reynolds. Apparently, after Alex Reynolds lost to John Moxley here, he just up and left and went back to the hotel. And he's scrolling through the results for the last episode of AEW Dark where he notices that the Beaver Boys, they lost to uh, uh, Jurassic Express. He's lamenting this. While on the TV, you've got a guy who's, like, explaining the TV menu and, like, oh, we offer all of these movies and you can order room service and turn down all this stuff. Like the hospital, not the hospital, the hospitality uh, video mm-hmm. that plays when you go stay at, a, uh, at, like, a hotel or something like that. But the twist is, Nick, that the guy doing this video is, like, the the PR guy for the dark order. And at some point he stops and he's like, Hey Alex, are you sick of being a jobber? And Alex is like, what? And he's looking at the screen and the, like this dude starts talking to him. Uh, but it's almost like he's just hearing it in his head because when John silver walks in, it's just the guy talking about what the hotel has to offer. But He's trying to convince Alex to join the Dark Order. Sick of losing. Join the Dark Order. You'll be winners with us. Uh, I still find these pretty fun. I don't know why. I enjoy these things. Uh, Definitely. They're entertaining. Like I love seeing these cult recruitment videos from the Dark Order. Although this was a little bit... Um, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior-ish, where we are obviously all seeing it, but apparently his tag team partner didn't hear it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if he starts seeing Evil Uno in a mirror, <laughs> we'll know. We'll know what's up. But yeah, I uh, I am excited to see what's going to happen with the Dark Order from here. There's a theory out about him, uh, about them, and a bunch of other dark groups. I think we were talking about it last week. And I just keep my fingers crossed that this is all leading to Marty Skrull down the line here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Swole and Emi Sakura, uh, Hikaru Shida shown watching at ringside. Uh, Emi gets this big rolling Romero special 
on Big Swole. It's kind of the only thing that really happened. There was some basic wrestling early on before they take a picture-in-picture break. And back from the break, and Swole makes a comeback, hits a wheelbarrow into a flatliner for a two. Uh, Emmy comes back, starts doing this mic stand shtick, which I don't think is good at all. Uh, I wrote here, Swole hits Emmy with charisma and a spear. Uh, I think this is the part where Swole gets the micros- the the microphone stand back and does some like dancing and stuff. So I wrote she hit her with charisma, uh, <laughs> and then gives her a spear. There's some momentum trading. Emmy misses a moonsault. Uh, Swole hits a pump kick for a two, and then hits the ripcord rolling elbow, which she calls dirty dancing, for the win. Um, this was uh, the unranked Big Swole defeating the. Number three ranked Emmy Sakura. What did you think of the sole women's match on the episode this week, Nick? Honestly, kind of, uh, kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't write down much in the way of notes. Like it was nothing offensive. Like they didn't do anything bad in the match, but it, just nothing really that exciting went down in the match. I only gave it two stars. Okay, uh, I've. I don't know what they're going to do with Emmy. I the I love Freddie Mercury and Queen as much as anybody. But you got to I don't think we can keep doing this. Uh this is not like a heel shtick. Um she doesn't do heel very well and it's also not a great babyface thing. Uh I'm not really sure what or why or how for any of the stuff that like she's good in the ring. She's solid, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the shtick has got to go. Uh, I liked it more than you. I gave it two and three quarters. I thought they were good in the ring for what they did. Um, but nothing exciting, uh, post-match. Oh, by the way, we should say grapple gave it a 2.28. So they're about two and a quarter. So a little bit, okay closer to you, Nick, uh, on that one. Uh, post-match, they announced that Riho returns from Japan on January 1st to defend her title. Uh, by the way, they've never actually noted that she went to Japan, uh, but that's where Riho has been. She hasn't been on TV because she's been doing a tour in Japan, which could have just said that. And this way people right. wouldn't be like, where's Riho? She disappeared. You could just be like, she's doing a tour of Japan. Defending her title, even if she's not. You could just say she is. Right. Um, backstage, Pack says that he came for an opportunity. He came to AEW for opportunity, but he's faced nothing but injustice. He wants a rubber match with Kenny Omega, or he will not be held accountable for what he does next. Uh, a fierce threat from the bastard, Nick. Uh <laughs> After that, uh, there really isn't much to say about that. It was it was fine, no. and it was short. Uh, up next, right. Kip Sabian and Sean Spears against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. There is a Tully inset promo where he says that they are testing out Kip Sabian tonight to see if, his, see if he is a fit for Sean Spears, to see if they can perhaps, Nick, become the new Brain Busters. <laughs> uh, Tully is not at ringside. I don't know about that. Yes. Uh, Tully is not at ringside though. Uh, match starts basically with the baby faces chopping Kip Sabian to death. 
Uh, and the baby faces are large and in charge heading into a picture-in-picture break. Uh, at some point during the break, Sabian cuts off Hangman Page, and the bad guys are in control for the rest of that break. And coming back from it, Kenny gets the hot tag, runs wild, but Penelope Ford breaks up the Terminator dive, and the heels take control back. Uh, Penelope hits Page with a Hurricane Rana off of the apron, and uh, Sabian hits a spring uh, a springboard DDT onto Omega for a two. Uh, he goes for the Deathly Hollows, but Kenny counters that to a V-trigger. And then the lights go out, and then they come back on the stage, and Joey Janela has Tully Blanchard tied up on the ramp. And Sean Spears, of course, leaves the match, and he and Joey fight. So this leaves Sabian all alone. Hangman Page tags himself in and hits the Buckshot Lariat for the win. Uh, what did you think of the tag team match, Nick? I thought this was a... a- great tag team match um the drop kick uh that i think it was hangman hit the spears and then he flipped and uh hit sabian landed on sabian that was really cool yeah 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 that was fantastic um i liked seeing penelope ford and like as much as i like penelope ford as a wrestler like she's okay on her own i love her teaming up with someone and that was one of the best things about her and joey janela teaming back up together in the day yeah um seeing her with Kip Sabian going in there and throwing her Hurricane Ronas and stuff. It, it was a thing that I missed. So it was great to see that again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think JR made a comment about her being a great diversion. I'm like, lol, thirsty JR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he I mean, if you see any of his shit on Twitter, sometimes <laughs> retweeting, like uh, retweeting, like women in like their like bikini pictures or whatever. And he's always just like posting emojis and shit with it. And I'm like, dude, you're like, old it's creepy <laughs> shoot your shot jr yeah i um, mean i guess go for it but good luck um i think they were teasing like this has already been known that hangman isn't technically part of the elite anymore he's taking a break from it mm-hmm. but they kind of like teased a rift between him and kenny omega where he you know sneaks in and gets the victory at the end essentially yeah he uh, wants to win like yes he does he's trying to build himself back so i like that um, overall, I gave it three stars. Mm-hmm. Solid. Good match. Uh, JR also has become self-aware in this match when he calls Penelope Ford the bad girl. And they're like, she's the super bad girl. Because bad girl was what she was called with Joey Janela, of course. But now that she's with Kip Sabian, she's the super bad girl. And Jim Ross literally says, well, there goes JR forgetting everybody's names again. <laughs> so... He brought up, I, I mean, he continues to be rough, but, mm. and we'd get more of that later, honestly. But I, uh, I too like the match. Gave it a three, and grapple with a two point eight. So on the same page there. Uh, maybe for the first time this show. Maybe for the only time this show. Uh, right. We get uh, Brandy. She rips the women's division. Uh, this is like a pre-done video, the Nightmare Collective, and she says something in here that just is like, what? She's talking about people. She's like, where's Riho? She's disappeared. Maybe she's running away. And she's like, let's talk about Britt Baker. Uh, You know, let's play a drinking game. Like, take a drink every time somebody... And I figured she was going to be like, somebody mentions she's a dentist. Because, you know, that's like the joke online is... 
how often they mention she's a real dentist. Uh, but she doesn't. She says, take a drink. How many times, you know, after every time she says, uh, talks about her boyfriend. And I'm like, what? Yeah, like, right. Rip Baker has never once said the name Adam or Cole separately or together on this show ever. What is she talking about? That didn't make any sense. Uh, I think she's like bringing up the fact that it's been brought up so much since she was on NXT and then they kind of copied that spot on AEW with her in the crowd. So, you know, Excalibur calling her Adam Cole's girlfriend, but she's never called herself that. So that's like she flubbed the line and they just left it in there. Maybe. uh, And then uh, Serena Deeb walks in. It's not Serena Deeb, but it looks just like Serena (laughs) when she was in the Straight Edge Society. I don't know who yes. I forgot what this it, it's Mel isn't it Melanie some Melanie Cruz Melanie Cruz okay it's Serena Deeb I mean uh, she looks just like her uh, <laughs> and then uh, she there's also some new member of the group which uh, everybody's like who is this and I recognized who it was immediately for some reason um, uh, it's yeah he's only made one AEW appearance and it's Sunny Days who is in the Double or Nothing All-In Casino Battle Royale. Uh, He was in the first group. He was the guy who was, like, big with the gold face paint and the tattered mummy clothes. Uh, He, like, glacier blew glacial mist into his face to eliminate him in the Battle Royale. Um, And he also does a lot of the video work for AEW. He does a lot of the video... uh, uh, editing and, and things like that. But he was also an indie wrestler, but I guess they're putting them a part of this group. I feel like they're trying to introduce too many things all at once. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like they're overloading things. So, uh, there's going to be pitfalls obviously. Uh, and there's going to be speed bumps. There are only 11 episodes in to their run. Like, you know, NXT, for example, you know, we don't even have to talk about raw or SmackDown. NXT, for example, is, uh, unlike they're, they're, um, almost at 550 episodes. So, uh, they've got a lot more time under their belt than AEW does here. So there's going to be some speed bumps, but right now I feel like they're trying to do way too much with too many people. So, uh, Jericho comes out for commentary and unfortunately for us kicks out Tony Schiavone and Excalibur. And it's just Jim Ross and Chris Jericho doing commentary on Sammy Guevara and Luchasaurus. Uh, Sammy uses his speed to stay alive early on until Luchasaurus kills him with a boot while Sammy is on the top rope. I don't know how Sammy lived through the bump that he, he took some sort of backflip bump or something where he narrowly missed hitting the apron. Mm-hmm. It looked scary. I don't know what he yes. said here at all, but I just wrote JR calling this solo is death. Picture-in-picture break. Uh, Sammy, coming back from the break, Sammy backflips out of a choke slam and manages to take control for a moment uh, until he goes for a shooting star press when he is caught by the throat. And uh, Luchasaurus hits him with the Tombstone Age for the win. Uh, What did you think of Luchasaurus and Sammy Guevara? I, I I said earlier I watched these shows the next day. Did did they have a picture in picture for this where the match continued? 
Yeah, there was a picture in picture. Uh, yeah, because Jim Ross is like, we got, we'll be right back, but we're not going anywhere. <laughs> TNT for real. If you're gonna continue to upload these later, put the picture in picture on there because I miss a lot of this, and and I think it takes away a bit from the show because some maybe I would have thought this match was better for it, but this was another one where I didn't feel that much towards it. Um, it, it was fine, nothing wrong with it. Again, and I actually think there was some cool stuff in there, like. Sammy getting caught in the choke when he was trying to do all those dives off the rope and then try and like recover, basically doing the Charlotte thing. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think I gave it just a two point seven five. It it was all right, but still, I feel like I missed something. Like like something was missing from that. I don't know. Yeah, this match felt like all kinds of just sloppy and all over the place to me. Uh, I didn't think Sammy and Luchasaurus worked really well to get, I think Luchasaurus is probably better. I mean, I've heard him say this himself. Like he does not think he's a particularly good wrestler, uh, but he does a few things very well. And I think he's better off in the tag team or the trio where mm-hmm. he's better hidden and can come in and do the impressive looking things, but left here to his own devices. I think at times he, you know, moved or threw kicks or things. Sometimes they looked great, and sometimes he was looked very hesitant or like they weren't sure what they were doing and when they were doing it. I don't think they meshed very well together, but I uh-huh. appear to be in the minority here. I only gave this match a 2, and Grapple gave this 2.62. Okay. So they were much closer to you than me on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know what I was expecting from this one, too. Maybe I was expecting this one to be very dominant, too. It's hard to say, though, because Sammy, although he loses all the time, he always looks impressive. Like, you're going to remember what he does. But I don't know. I kind of half expected Luchasaurus just go out there, choke slam him, and destroy him really quickly. Yeah. Um, There's a post-match beatdown by the Inner Circle on Luchasaurus when Marco and Jungle Boy made the save. And Jungle Boy gets a visual pin on Chris Jericho uh, to kind of set up their their match for next week. Uh, then we get an ad announcing AEW Revolution on pay-per-view announced for February as part of C2E2, which is in Chicago again. We were just in Chicago, Nick, for, well, you know, close to Chicago for the last TV and (laughs) they did two TVs in Illinois and they did all out in Chicago and they're going to do probably all out again in Chicago. Why are they hitting this again? I feel like this is, I don't know. I, I think they're doing it because it's part of C2E2, which I know is like a big comic book, comic con video game thing, pop culture thing. So I know that they're, doing it with in conjunction with that but i'm i'm a little surprised they're going back to chicago again yeah, i was surprised about that too like it, it, like you said it just seems like they've been there so much already i mean i guess it is home for AEW. it's kind of where AEW was born mm-hmm. um but i don't know like you could have done detroit like we're still waiting for a television show here. Like that's what we want. We want an episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, you, you have to be in Chicago again. Like I'm just saying, if you had to be a part of C2E2, like do your C2E2 thing, but then 
you know, take a quick four hour drive, end up in Detroit and do the pay-per-view there. But yeah, I don't know. You know, it is what it is. Good for the people of Chicago. You get another pay-per-view. Yes. Uh, in the it's a sprint not a mar- or it's a marathon not a sprint department uh next week's card the announcers run through is stacked because NXT's card is stacked for next week uh with a NXT championship match and an NXT women's championship match both on the same show and probably more I haven't watched NXT for this week yet so there might be more announced so here's what was announced for next week's episode of AEW Dynamite uh, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander are going to wrestle, and the winner will face Riho on January 1st. Uh, I've already seen some people complaining that I think people don't really get the rankings. Or that I think they think that the rankings are whomever is number one should always be the number one contender for the title. And that's not really how the rankings work, and it's certainly not how they work in like UFC or any other places like that. The rankings are just based on your numbers on your wins and losses. And those wins and losses are weighted based on who you beat and what their records are, that sort of thing, obviously. So for example, uh, if you're having a hard time grasping the, the idea, uh, for example, beating Kenny Omega or beating pack means more than beating, uh, Alex Reynolds or Peter Avalon because Reynolds and Avalon have poor records while Omega and Pac have good records. And of course, if you beat a champion that is weighted most heavily of all. So, uh, that's why Scorpio sky got a championship match, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it is not the number one ranked contender. So, uh, it is uh, number five and number two, I believe. I think Britt's number two. Maybe she's uh, three. I'm not. I'm not positive. I, I know she's on in the rankings. But they will wrestle, and the winner will face Riho on January first. Also announced, uh, Chris Jericho and Jungle Boy, and that'll be a ten minute time limit uh, to see if Jungle Boy can last the ten minutes with Jericho. They also announced. This match should be awesome if they get the time. The Lucha Brothers taking on Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Oh, yeah. That match should rule if they get enough time. Uh, even if they show. don't get enough time, it'll probably still be very good. And, of course, the tag team title match uh, will likely be the main event. And that leads us into our tag team main event. Young Bucks taking on Proud and Powerful in a Texas street fight. This was announced by Justin Roberts as a sanctioned bout, so it will count in their records. Uh, Proud and Powerful and Sammy Guevara attack the Young Bucks with the sock ball on the ramp. Brandon Cutler tries to make the save, but they kill him, powerbomb him through the stage. Uh, Bucks make a comeback. They had an indie taker on Sammy Guevara on the ramp, and Nick does a swanton off the entrance portal. That's the best way to describe this, I guess. Through a table onto Ortiz for a two, which means I guess the match started, but they never rang the bell. Uh, I think they did. I Maybe they, they rang the bell while they were getting attacked by the inner circle. I remember hearing that. Okay, so perhaps they did, and I just didn't hear it. I'll take your word for it, sir. Uh, <laughs> SCU uh, were shown watching at ringside. Uh, they get hit with sock ball again, cuts them off. 
Uh, Nick is taking a beating in a trash can. Literally, they put a trash can over his head, and they're just beating the crap out of him with kendo sticks and the sock ball. And then Matt comes in in a Dallas Cowboys helmet and then (laughs) spears these guys. The crowd, I mean, this didn't seem like a thing the Young Bucks would do. Like, they never did stuff like this before, but they did it here, and the crowd ate it up. Uh, So, and then I just wrote, tables breaking everywhere, going into a break. I I think there may have actually we'll talk about it, but I think there may have been too many table spots in this in this match. Um, back from the break with Proud and Powerful in control, but the Bucks uh, start making their comeback shortly thereafter. Nick hits a four fifty on a trash can on Ortiz. That didn't look like fun. Uh, Hager comes out to stop the count, and Nick goes to kick Hager on the apron, but accidentally kicks Rick Knox instead, and apparently kills him because we don't see Rick Knox for the rest of this match. Dustin Rhodes comes out to rid us of Jake Hager. Uh, More bang for your buck, but there is no referee until Aubrey Edwards runs out. She comes in, and uh, this is a a two-count off of more bang for your buck. They go for the Meltzer driver, but it is broken up, and uh, Proud and Powerful isolate Matt. It's two-on-one. They hit the street sweeper on a garbage can, and Nick pulls Aubrey out of the ring. Uh, the Bucks make a comeback. They super kick a chair into Ortiz's face and hit the Meltzer driver onto some chairs for the win. Uh, Bucks will challenge for the tag team titles next week. And post-match, our main event tag teams face off with one another. What did you think of the main event, sir? This was the best thing on the show, and it was a fantastic match. Mm-hmm. Um, just so much craziness going on. I agree with you. There was maybe a bit too many table spots, but I still ate it up. I I forget it was Santana Ortiz that went through the – or did the cannonball. That was really impressive to me uh, through the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think about what else happened. This match so much went on. I think at one point JR messed up. Uh, it was either JR or Tony Schiavone messed up um, – they called like um, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. He's like, well, one of them has their head in a football helmet and the other one has his head covered by a trash can. <laughs> That's a fair Jeez. point. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give them that. That's a fair point. Like I knew it was Matt that because Matt has the darker hair, but yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll at least give them that as good cover. It's like, well, their heads are covered. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I just had so much fun with this match. I gave it three and a quarter star. Just an excellent tag team main event. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, this uh, felt kind of short of what I was expecting again. Uh, these guys have faced off each other, faced off with each other twice. And I think both times I was expecting like four star matches from these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is because I'm pretty sure like I've heard, I've seen great LAX matches with other teams. And I don't know how many matches they had with young bucks outside of, I'm sure they must've had a match in like PWG or something like that. But for some reason, they just haven't really fully clicked. Like the match was good. uh, Even though there were at least, I think two spots where it looks like the wrestler was not knocked off through a table and more like they were hit, and then they just decided to leap off through a table. Uh, more than once it looked like that, and that's never a good look. Uh, but yeah, this the crowd wasn't quite as energetic. They were a little tired here near the end. 
uh, and it just wasn't quite what I was thinking it was going to be. Uh, it kind of ultimately just turned into some trash can shots and a bunch of table bumps. Uh, and it was good, but not what I was expecting. I gave it three and grapple liked it way more than you or I, Nick giving it a 3.67. Oh, okay. Almost three and three quarters. So they thought this was much closer to, to four star territory, but not I, um, I thought it was good, but not great. Which, for me, I think means that my favorite match on the show is probably uh, The Butcher and the Blade against Cody and QT Marshall was my favorite match on the show. Oh. Crazy. Yeah. I, I would not have told you. I would not have. I would not have predicted that last week. Oh. <laughs> that would have been my favorite match on the show, but... Uh, that was my favorite match on the show. Uh, my favorite thing on the show, I think this week was probably the, maybe the MJF promo. It's probably Mm. my favorite thing on the show all week, but yeah, I would say this was a good episode, but not blow away, but they are building next week as a blow away episode, Nick. So we shall see if they do in fact deliver on that, but in the meantime, uh, you can head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Uh, and, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, AEW Dynamite, of course, and we're going to talk about our year-end awards for AEW. We're going to talk about our favorite things uh, that AEW did in its first year of existence. And, of course, Dynamite. We're going to discuss it and run down the events featuring, in the main event, SCU defending the AEW Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks.